0: Welcome to Finance Lab, a podcast for the intellectual investor, powered by Dalbar, an independent financial research firm dedicated to improving the investor experience. Finance Lab is where real investors get practical insight and perspective from real experts. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the fascinating world of finance, exploring topics like investing, financial planning, market trends, and everything in between. We're here to empower you with the tools and knowledge necessary to make informed financial decisions.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us on Finance Lab. I'm your host, Corey Clark, Chief Marketing Officer at Dalbar. We have an extremely important topic to discuss today, and that is investing in your company's stock. Uh, And this is an episode you can't afford to miss, particularly if you're working in sales or in the technology industry, because for many of you, a significant portion of your total compensation will be dictated by company ownership. Uh, And this gives key contributors the ability to accumulate wealth that they would not otherwise be able to earn through a straight salary. But on the flip side, there are certain risks associated with company ownership. So like anything else in life, you have great rewards that are balanced out by greater risks. Uh, All of this to say that it's extremely important for investors to manage their company stock ownership prudently or will have an overwhelming effect on their overall financial picture. And to make matters perhaps more complicated, there are different vehicles through which company ownership can be granted. One such vehicle is a restricted stock unit, which is growing in popularity, but has some distinct differences to the typical stock option that we may be more familiar with. Uh, But fear not, we have uh, a guest today to help make sense of RSUs, what makes them different from other forms of company ownership, and most importantly, perspective on how to approach company stock in general. Uh, His name is Kevin Caldwell, and he's principal at Golden Road Advisors in Tampa, Florida, where he provides guidance and comprehensive financial planning. Thank you for joining us today, Kevin.
2: Thanks, Corey. Glad to be here.
1: So I wanted to start off by setting up a, a hypothetical, uh, if we could. Look, and I guess I'll use myself as the guinea pig here. Let's say that that I'm an investor. I'm working in the technology industry, uh, and I've been granted significant uh, stock over the years, uh, for many years now. And over the last decade or so, it's been performing beautifully. But in 2022 last year things things changed a different economic climate and let's say hypothetically i've seen the value of my company stock shaved in half what advice do you give me in in this sort of situation
2: yeah so it's a perfect scenario because we 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 saw that in 2022 with a lot of investors and one of the main things with restricted stock units which as you mentioned are the most popular form of equity compensation that we see is that it's it's very similar to be being given a bonus, so just a question for you if you were given fifty thousand dollars in a bonus, would you use all of it to buy your company's stock?
1: yeah, without giving it much thought i would that sounds like a bad idea
2: <laughs> <laughs> essentially with with restricted stock units when they turn from a grant to vested shares, that's essentially what happens so if you were given a fifty thousand dollar grant on the day that it vests, you're going to pay taxes on that. There's no real ability to time or plan around how you're going to, you know, utilize or, or receive that compensation. And so, you know, that's one of the things with with RSUs, restricted stock units, is that it's essentially just a bonus that's paid in stock.
1: What does that mean in in terms of, of taxes? Is that is that does that make make a difference in terms of that like how, how does how does that difference uh, affect an investor and how should they approach it differently because of those differences
2: yeah I mean it's essentially gonna be taxed as as a bonus so you're gonna pay 22 percent tax rate for wages below a million dollars and 37 percent over a million dollars um, you know it's different in that when you receive cash you you have lots of different options for what to do with it you can do whatever you want with it when you receive company stock the default is just for the stock to stay there and so you know from a behavioral standpoint if you don't take any action you're going to be subject to the volatility of that company stock which may be fine but the idea behind planning around equity compensation is that we know what we're going to do before we receive it, and we execute on that plan, and therefore you have you know a strategy in place based on what you're trying to accomplish as opposed to being at the whims of the current economic environment
1: from a behavioral standpoint the the fluctuations have been difficult to deal with, like you know like you had mentioned two thousand twenty two the the hypothetical that I gave is is Pretty realistic hypothetical for for a lot of folks that were in that situation. Uh, 2023 has has rebounded uh, in in a lot of ways to some degree. So it's been a roller coaster ride, uh, particularly for technology investors. So again, circling back to myself as this hypothetical investor, um, if I didn't sell in 2022, I'm probably feeling pretty good about not doing that. Um, but you know i'm still faced with a decision you know do is, is now the time or or what what do i do now here in 2023 where i've i've sort of gotten through what seems like the bad portion but where do i go from here
2: yeah i mean i think that if we can reset sort of the feeling around the end of 2022 if you think back big technology companies Really doing well. Earnings are growing. Stock prices are soaring. Stock grants are are flowing. Everything's really, really good. Um, You get into 2022. Interest rates are are you know hiked rapidly, and a lot of these companies are down 50% in 2022. Let's say you received a grant in you know March or April of 2022 when the stock was trading at $200 a share and you didn't do anything you just left it there and left it invested well now when you're doing your taxes for 2022 you see that you paid taxes on a on a value of $200 a share but it's only worth 100 now so the feeling around that that regret that uh what 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 can we do differently going forward is really an important moment for us to try to think through and capture because When things are good, we tend to ignore big financial planning opportunities. And when things are really bad, we are filled with regret. And what we want to do is just understand how both those different scenarios impact us. And instead of feeling like we have we're hopeless or helpless, we want to make sure that we've built a plan and and can comprehend how we're going to react before the share is best that's an interesting perspective.
1: So Kevin, I'd like to go back to 2022, because, uh, you know, I think for perhaps a lot of investors, th- they don't think about diversifying, or they're not thinking about these things until some, you know, sort of something goes wrong. But um, if, if we if we go back to 2022, uh, in sort of in a, in a time machine, uh, without the benefit of hindsight, that is, what would your advice be to to me in
2: 2022? Yeah, so again, 2022 is was a was a bad time for for tech stocks. Tech stocks are going to see a bad time again in the future. They're going to see good times again in the future, right? The the market is cyclical. So we can learn from these lessons um by isolating different points in time when when, you know, big events took place. But one of the things that we talked to people about in early 2023 was, "Hey, look, you own shares in your company. It's a great company. You really like working there. There are certainly benefits to being a shareholder in the company you work for. You're more likely to to watch the bottom line and, and and be more incentivized to grow a top line. So you know owning owning shares in the company you work for is is certainly not a bad thing. However, if you had owned shares for a long time, like you alluded to in in this Scenario we're we're referencing, then getting out of, of of company stock, diversifying out of that into cash or you know uh, a diversified portfolio or whatever would carry significant tax implications. Because even though the market was bad in twenty two, if you held them for ten years, you're still going to have significant gains. And so, one of the behavioral tools that that we see, and by behavioral I mean is a tool a, a tactic that people are actually interested in following right so a lot of times you know we think of finance in a vacuum and it's just not we're dealing with human behavior and psychology and so one of the things that that we recommend to people do is keep your old shares but when your new shares are vesting just sell them at vest that way you're you're selling shares that are at a higher cost basis meaning your tax implications are going to be lower You're not bailing out of the company's stock. You still believe in the company. You know it's just a tough time. So all the shares that you'd accumulated in the past continue to benefit from the potential upswing. Yet we're slowly diversifying over time as those shares vest every quarter or semi-annually or whatever your vesting schedule is. So that going forward, you're not accumulating more, but you're also not selling what you had in the past. So that's a strategy that's Benefited nicely from the recovery this year, and it's been one that our clients in the in the you know tech space have been able to implement. I see. So that so that's
1: sort of a, a solution in, in some in some respects to uh, not wanting to sell low. I mean, you're still selling at the same price, but the idea being that you're not selling the same stock unit that you may have been granted ten years ago. That's going to carry that significant tax burden to uh that that looking forward for future stock units might be the better way to go in that situation.
2: Yeah, it could be. And then also like take that forward to where we are today in 2023, we've seen a huge rally in in the tech sector. And so we're not exactly back to where we were at the end of 2021 as far as all-time highs, but maybe certain companies maybe they are or at least close to it. And so now we're in a situation where where it's, well, how strong were our regrets at the end of 2022? What were the emotions that we were feeling then? Let's make sure we keep a you know a long memory when it comes to that because things feel really, really good again and we don't want to be complacent. And so now it's a time where not only would you consider uh, you know, selling future vested shares, but you may even take some of those older ones off the table if you're in a, you know, a really concentrated position. And and so
1: I guess kind of putting the two points together uh, to, to one maybe larger point is, you know, ultimately, y- your diversification and how you want to handle your company stock shouldn't be dictated by what the market is doing, where, oh, you know, the market is is going down, so now I feel the need to I have to do something and I have to do it now, or the market's going back up, and now you're you're doing that that one should have a certain strategy or or move forward with a certain strategy uh, that's not reactionary. Would you agree with that? Yeah,
2: exactly. You just want to make sure that you're proactive because you can't control the performance of your company's stock, but you can't control where your money's invested. And so you want to make sure that you've got an idea as to what you're hoping to accomplish and how all the tools in the toolbox, including restricted stock units, equity compensation, fit into what you're trying to accomplish in the future. The The easiest way to think of it is that if your pure goal is to be as fabulously wealthy as possible, you want to accumulate as much concentration risk as possible. You want to put all your eggs in one basket, because that's really the best chance you're going to have to make a big bet and win, which is what we've seen many of the most successful entrepreneurs, CEOs, founders of huge tech companies certainly do to to great success. You know, For every one of those stories, there's a thousand people who it didn't work out for. But at the same time, the, the alternative to that is, if you're in you know, a senior VP sales role at a big tech company, your goal may not be to be a billionaire. Your goal may be to just be financially independent as soon as possible. And if that's the case, diversification and having a plan to diversify is going to be a prudent strategy. And that's something that should go on throughout, right? Not reactive to where the market is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, it's hey, I've got shares that vest every six months, let's just say. I've got this other portfolio of money. Here are my top three goals. How does all this fit together? And what is our plan of action so that on the day these shares vest, I know exactly what I'm going to do with them instead of if the market's bad, I'm going to sell it. And if the market's good, I'm gonna ignore it, which is unfortunately what we see the the behavioral default to be. People are very busy, equity compensation is confusing, and you know, it's just an easy thing to procrastinate on, like many big financial matters are. And so, you know, the opportunity is just to get engaged, have a plan of action in advance, and see. What you can do to, to position your, your pieces as, you know, in, in the best way possible based on your unique set of circumstances.
1: Thanks for that. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and when we get back, we'll uh, continue with talking about company ownership with Kevin Caldwell.
0: This episode is brought to you by Dalbar. Dalbar is the nation's leading financial services market research firm and is committed to raising the standards of excellence in financial services. For more podcast episodes, visit financelab.dalbar.com. And now, back to the episode.
1: Welcome back to Finance Lab. Our guest today is Kevin Caldwell, and we're talking about stock ownership and restricted stock units. Um, Kevin, I wanted to circle back on a, a specific aspect of this topic that has come up uh, a few times and sounds to me like a, a very important Maybe perhaps the most important uh, factor here, uh, and that is is taxes. and, and we mentioned it in, in the context of potentially selling future restricted stock units versus ones that you, one may have owned for a decade or more. Um, could you give a, a little bit of an example of, of what that looks like and, and what, the, what the decision points uh, are with respect to taxes and restricted stock units?
2: Yeah. So maybe I'll take a step back and just say that upon vest, whatever the value of that stock is that day, times however many shares you were you have vesting, that's the amount of compensation that you're going to realize that day. Subject to ordinary income taxes, there's nothing you can do about it. That's just the way it is. As opposed to options where you have more timing as to when you use that option basically an option gives you the option to buy you know as long as you buy before the expiration date of the option you know they'll, there's there's potential there for for planning whereas with an rsu again on the day it vests that's how much your essentially your bonus is if you want to go back to the the bonus concept we discussed earlier and so from a tax planning perspective there's not much you can do at that time from a diversification perspective, which we've talked about at length, you know, there's more opportunity there. However, once you own the stock, if you hold it long-term, if you more own it a year or longer, then we're looking at long-term capital gains taxes. If you own it less than a year, we're looking at short-term capital gains if the stock appreciates. And so there's certainly some, some planning opportunities that come with that. So if you've been
1: granted stock for twice a year or so, some regular um, cadence for a, a long time, each one of those grants is, is sort of a separate and unique situation, right? Because they're all going to have a, a different price and a different consequ- uh, ta- tax consequence. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. And so again, if you've been granted shares twice a year for the last 10 years, you've got 20 different lots tax lots is what they're called meaning you've paid 20 different prices for that stock and the difference between what that basis was and what it's worth today is the taxable amount you know the capital gain and so you're going to take advantage of that and when you are in your equity compensation you know the website that that shows you know where everything's housed They will list the individual lots, and and you'll be allowed to select which one you're going to sell if you're going to do that. Um, You're going to select high basis, meaning the highest price that you paid shares, if you're trying to minimize taxes or even harvest losses if the stock is actually trading for less than it was on the date it was granted. And you're going to try to sell lower basis stocks if you're looking at maximizing your taxes.
1: Who wants to maximize their taxes?
2: <laughs> nobody. <laughs> it, was, that, was that nobody? Okay. <laughs> so, so when we say maximizing taxes, what I what I mean in practical application is tax rates are historically low right now, um, especially for people married filing jointly making half a million dollars a year or less. You know, the the long term capital gains rate is fifteen percent. Um, you know, and there's it it goes to you know half a million dollars or so. And you know the the twenty percent twenty five percent sort of average tax rates are are really out there even if you bump up into the thirty two percent marginal rate and so that's one of the things that we really we really see a lot is people just don't understand how how sort of good I hate to say how good the tax code is. There's a lot of opportunity for planning now um inside of you know the current tax structure that exists until 2025. I get you. So you're not trying to pay more taxes, you just
1: you it's more advantageous sometimes to pay them at a certain point in time which may be you know this or the past particular year than it is in the future. So you might be able to get a better tax rate if you if because you're going to have to pay it at some point, so maybe now is in some cases a better time.
2: Exactly. And so what we're trying to do is is Make our best proactive guess as to you know is it a good time to pay taxes now or or later, and so given the 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 way the tax code is currently, there is some opportunity there also, if you're in the the tech space and maybe sales aren't as good this year and you're having a down year and your overall compensation is going to be down, could be a good year to to realize some long term capital gains. You know, maybe even put some cash into the bank and pay pay taxes in a down year as far as your overall compensation, especially as you get towards the end of the year and maybe you see what your pipeline for business looks like in twenty twenty four. So, you know, if you've held a bunch of stock, you you've got some options as to when you you do that. And if you're an opportunity to pay, you know, taxes in a sub twenty five percent average rate, let's just say there's 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 opportunity there to just, to explore further. Thanks for that. Um, you, you had mentioned uh,
1: tax harvesting, a term that I hear all the time, um, and it was in the context of one of the lots was, was a loss. Could you expand a little bit about what you mean by tax harvesting and why one may want to realize a loss at a particular time, and you know, just, just generally speaking?
2: Yeah. So if you sell an investment at a loss, you can use that loss to offset gains either this year or into the future. So loss harvesting can be a you know a nice way to again either diversify or you know put that money to a different purpose, fund a college plan for one of your children or just keep the money in cash or give it to charity or whatever it may be um, you know so there's there's opportunity around you know either realizing a loss or just again it's you want to pick tax advantage lots based on what you're trying to accomplish
1: mm-hmm. So, essentially, the inverse of what we were talking about before, you know um, if you can use the losses to offset gains somewhere else you you can get under a certain threshold or uh, yeah, so essentially the exact opposite of what we were talking about before
2: exactly, and you know losses can be used to offset capital gains if you don't have capital gains they're going to be used to offset three thousand dollars of ordinary income the next year you're going to go through the same algorithm if you will if you have losses that carry forward they're going to offset any gains that take place that year if there are gains if there aren't it's going to offset $3,000 of ordinary income you're going to go forward the next year and have that same thing until the loss has been you know completely used
1: thank you for that all right well we're just about running out of time today so Kevin I wanted to give you the floor for any final thoughts that you had on company stock owner ownership and and RSUs
2: yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is develop a plan. As planners, financial planners, we are more interested in, in coming up with a proactive solution than we are trying to say evaluate the stock of the company and and figure out whether we think it's a good buy or something that you should sell, which is maybe what you would have seen a stockbroker do in the past. Um, you know, the idea is basically. You can't control your company's stock performance, but you can control how you invest your money. If you don't have a plan, you're going to ignore the company's stock when times are good or even have like FOMO. You're going to have a fear of missing out. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I ever sold that. Right? Anything that's going to come from being reactive as opposed to proactive is going to result in regret, whether that regret is you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have sold it or I wish I would have sold it. And so you just want to make sure that you have a plan. I would say that a certified financial planner would be a good person to engage. CFPs typically understand equity compensation, or at least they should. Um, and so you want to find somebody who understands equity compensation, develop a plan, and then execute the plan Again, when the, the shares are going to vest in this example that we've used today, you want to know what's supposed to happen before that date comes and then implement that plan when the date does come.
1: That That's great guidance. Thank you so much, Kevin. That's all the time that we do have for today. Again, I want to thank Kevin Caldwell for coming on with us today and sharing great information with our audience. And be sure to check out com. Uh, for more podcasts that are published each Friday. Awesome, Corey. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Kevin. It was a pleasure having you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you found this conversation valuable, please visit financelab.dalbar.com to connect with today's guest. We'll see you on our next episode of Finance Lab.